Welcome back to the Mountains in the Sea, where we find the highs and lows of each and every Prince album every other week. I'm Christy. And this is Josh. And we're so glad that you're back with us today. Today, we are talking about Sign of the Time Super Deluxe still, but not really. Kind of. Kind of. Things that could have gone on Super Deluxe, but didn't for whatever reason. They were recorded around the same time as sign of the times and all of the outtakes that were included on the super deluxe right album so we made our own playlist of things that could have been but were not Uh uh-huh josh curated you want to tell us what those are sure well you want to go through them all or just track by track and surprise uh, oh sure let's do that all right it'll be it'll be exciting all the way through that way all right yeah Yes, the I can just feel the anticipating anticipation building. That's right. It's crazy. <laughs> First song we're going to cover is Good Love, not the version on Crystal Ball, but the version that was on the Bright Lights Big City soundtrack album. Yes, it was the first track contributed to a soundtrack of a movie that Prince wasn't starring in. Correct. Yeah. I would say one of three artists on the soundtrack, maybe four, that you could put in a list and I would say those are real and not made up. <laughs> Did a lot of them sound made up to you? I don't know. Narada, Brian Ferry, Donald Fagan, The Noise Club, Conk, Jennifer Hall. Would you recognize those as... Recording artists uh, from the late 80s? Fagan, I think I would have. Donald Fagan. Sounds like a golfer. Uh, let's <laughs> from see. Ireland. In addition to Prince, whose song Good Love was the first track, Uh huh. Um, there's a song by New Order. Yeah. Those those people are real. Yep. <laughs> Depeche Mode. Mm-hmm. That's an actual mode, along with Allah. Uh-huh. I guess I, maybe I've heard of Conk before. Mars. Pump up the volume. Oh yeah, that was on. I couldn't the have soundtrack. told you who sung it, but I know that song. Oh okay, I could have told you that. Okay, um, that's all. I, those are the only ones that I would recognize. Okay, as like, I'm confident enough to bet a sum of money that would hurt if I lost it that these are real, oh. not made up. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, they're all real because they all contributed to the soundtrack. But Well, they're all real, but if they were just in a list of are these real artists or not, and you didn't know that, uh-huh. I don't know that I'd be able to identify them. Oh, okay. I think it was a largely... I mean, soundtracks are just kind of like a stomping grounds for songs that couldn't make it in other places a lot of times <laughs> anyway. That's fair. How Good Love Ended Up on this soundtrack, I could not tell you. No, it's kind of incredible. My only guess is that Bright Lights, Big City, which starred Michael J. Fox, was a Warner Brothers film, and the soundtrack was released on Warner Brothers Records, mm-hmm. uh, to which Prince was signed at the time. Yes. Ooh, signed at the time. Uh-huh. 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 Yep. Uh, Jill Jones and Susanna provide uncredited background vocals. Yep. Uh, this was originally considered for the Camille album mm-hmm. and also uh, for the triple crystal ball set. Yes. was uh, part of the late November 1986 configuration, and it followed Shockadelica oh. uh, 
on both configurations, which is interesting to me because I think that if you listen to Shockadelica and Good Love, they sound kind of similar. Yeah, like cousins. Yeah, maybe maybe closer. who Apple kiss one another. Apple kiss. Cherry pie, apple kisses, everything is cool. Oh, as in the lyrics. I was like, what's an apple kiss? I actually have an answer for that. Okay. I don't know if it was a thing in the 80s, but Urban Dictionary has apple kisses as something that lovers might do. They'll eat apples to sweeten their breath and their lips to make the kissing more enjoyable. Apple kisses are supposed to be romantic. Ew. <laughs> oh, Tic Tacs were a thing in the eighties. <laughs> so I don't know if apple kisses were a thing in the eighties, but they're a thing at least on Urban Dictionary now. Okay, and in the lyrics to the song, <laughs> and in the lyrics to the song, it's so light and fun. It is light and fun and joyful and kind of like in love, kind of mm-hmm. blissful. Yeah. Very much the opposite of what I've read about Bright Lights Big City, yeah. which I have never seen, no, but me read uh, summaries of where Michael J. Fox is essentially a coked out journalist whose life is spiraling downward. Uh-huh. He gets fired, his girlfriend leaves him, right. all kinds of stuff. So maybe this is before all that happened. I don't know. I'm not going to watch the film. Uh, okay, that's fine. He mentions Gustav Mahler. Gustav Mahler, number three, is jamming on the box. Yeah, which uh, when I first heard this song, I couldn't understand what he was saying, nor did I know what or who Gustav Mahler was. No. I was like, Gustav Mahler, number three? What's <laughs> what's a Gustav Mahler number? I know what number two is. <laughs> I don't think Prince would sing about that. <laughs> Yeah, Gustav Mahler number three is jamming on the box. Yeah, the Gustav Mahler's third symphony. Right. Playing on the radio or other. The box. The box, whatever that was. His jam box. His jam box. Yeah. He put it, CDs were pretty new then, so it was probably on cassette tape. Yeah. Or just on the classical radio station because it's classical music. It is. It's an hour and 45 minutes, by the way. Yeah, I read about that. It was written in 1896 or just completed in that year and composed between 1893 and 1896. And it's the longest piece and the longest symphony in the standard repertoire. Oh. I didn't even know there was a standard repertoire for symphonies, but there you go. Uh, yeah, typical performance lasts 90 to 105 minutes. Whew, those better be some comfortable seats. Yeah, I, yeah, I would hope so. Oh, we've also heard Gustav Mahler before. We have. From Prince. Yes. He was mentioned in the I Hate You extended remix. I don't remember that. He mentions Mahler. Oh, really? Yes. I don't remember that at all. Let me look at the lyrics. Okay. Yeah, in the I Hate You extended remix, he says, It wasn't like the time we did it to Mahler. Oh, right, 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 right. You dance for a dollar. I know he didn't make you holler. And if he did, it wasn't like the time we did it to Mala. Don't you remember? You were my little nasty lady. I almost heard that line as like, 
tomorrow, uh-huh. like a weird way of saying tomorrow or something. Yeah. Never struck me. And I'm not a giant fan of that remix anyway. But yeah. So that mentions Gustav Mahler and Forrest Gump. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's more than one Mahler reference in Prince's repertoire. I would have gotten that trivia question wrong. Oh, ho, ho. Yep. Well. True. Can we back up to the very beginning of the song, too? Just opens sure. with drums that if you've listened to Prince's music, you could probably tell right off the bat that they're firmly in the Camille era. If you compare the drum sounds to... Rebirth of the Flesh and Housequake and If I Was Your Girlfriend and Feel You Up, Shockadelica. A lot of those songs have a real similar drum sound to them Mm -hmm. that I think is very recognizable. It's got this repeating one or two note high-pitched synthesizer in it that's Mm -hmm. not like black sweat synthesizer that makes your eardrums want to explode or nearly so it's just kind of this blissful kind of sound yeah it adds to the joyfulness of the track part of the good love soundscape Mm -hmm. i also wondered piccadilly square do we know where that is or what that is. Well, Piccadilly Circus. Yeah, I is know in, Piccadilly Circus. Yeah, that's in London. I tried yeah. to look up Piccadilly Square to see if I could figure out if it was somewhere in Minneapolis or if it was somewhere else or part of New York or where what it was. All I could find was apartments. Oh, I found a shopping center like oh. in Ohio, <laughs> which I'm sure is not what he's singing about. <laughs> Yeah. But I also read some review or recap of Good Love that said, you know, he's uh was infatuated with France and that the you know, after filming Under the Cherry Moon there and therefore mentions Piccadilly Square and I'm like, Oh, I didn't know Piccadilly Square was a French reference and I couldn't find any such thing anywhere, so that was a load of crap. <laughs> Who you know what kids? There's a lot of crap on the internet. Yeah, there there is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, evidently, Piccadilly Square is filled with Technicolor children. That's right. Not just normal children. That's right. I guess that's maybe a racial mix. Do you think? Oh yeah, or just like people with vibrant personalities. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. I thought there was just a lot of really fun lyrics. Yeah, colorful, colorful language, but not mm-hmm. in the cursing kind yeah yeah plethora of euphoria in everything you do poetic and but yeah. still like really light and or fun. even the emphasis on the wrong syllables there <laughs> plethora euphoria uh-huh. in everything you do another line i couldn't figure out without having lyrics you know listening to the song I love how he delivers at 57 seconds. Fire breaks out when you're around. Yes. He gets the... <laughs> yeah, it's so like growl. Fire breaks out when you're around. Fire breaks out when you're around. Between that, that kind of voice and the Camille tempo pitch, uh-huh. it's very fun to listen to. It is really, it's a like growly, gospely almost. Yeah. Yes. 
And thanks to the pitched up vocal effect at a minute 43 seconds when he sings here, I'm protected from all harm, the word here. And I mean, it gets almost ultrasonic uh-huh. high. Yeah. There was a little before that, I think there's a case of you reference. Oh. Because he says, I'll have another glass of you. Oh, this time on the rocks. Yeah. So hmm. I kind of thought, oh, maybe that's a little bit of a oh, maybe case so. of you. Maybe, maybe so. But this is uh, a cooler version mm-hmm. or a harder version because it needs to be cut with a little ice. Yeah. I'll have another glass of you this time on the rocks. Oh, that's interesting. interesting. Very, very good uh, catch there. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole, uh, I'm going to deliver lyrics like this <laughs> Yes, continues many times, uh, at a minute and 48 seconds when he sings only the naked boy and girl, mm-hmm. only the naked, <laughs> only the naked boy and girl. <laughs> I'm just going to keep doing that. Yeah, please do. Yeah. And those repeating synthesizer Sounds stop for the first time. There's a breakdown at two minutes and 11 seconds where he kind of breaks it down for you. All right, we're going to say good love right here. <laughs> that was so funny. I'm like a little direction in the bridge. There we go. Yeah. yeah. And then a slowed down voice for, yeah. <laughs> All right, we're going to say good love right here. Good love. So lots of vocal effects that are Mm -hmm. very fun in this song. If I can just continue my guttural delivery examples at two minutes and 41 seconds. Cherry pie, apple kisses, (laughs) everything is cool. damn thing is kicking all one word uh-huh i love that yeah very fun and every funky damn thing is kicking <laughs> when you write that out as one word it's very difficult to read by the way <laughs> so you should give yourself some capitals for each of the word i even figured when you by the all time together. i read it since i typed it i'd be able to figure it out and i just barely did <laughs> oh well good mm-hmm so the version, the reason we're including the version from Bright Lights Big City is because the version on Crystal Ball, the late 90s version, is a different edit mm-hmm. and has some parts cut out. Yes. Has a little longer instrumental ending, but is missing some lyrics. And that happens at three minutes and 29 seconds right after he yells, cool, and then starts kind of improving good love part two. Uh-huh. It was fun. Which I really love. And the na 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 are unique to the soundtrack version too. They're not on the crystal ball version. Which made me very upset when I first heard the crystal ball version. I was like, I still don't have the other one. Anyway. <laughs> There's some dog barks. Yes. At the end, kind of from the la 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 he he he. There are many dog sounds and whooshy sound effects that yeah, are all Yeah, kind of underwater dog sounds yep. is kind of how it sounds. Get off! You got to, you got to get good love! Woo! Good love! Yes. I'm 
mean the dog wouldn't bark under the water. So you'd probably be like swimming in the pool yeah. under the water and oh, hear, the, hear dog the dog bark. That's right. That's kind On of the like, surface. Yeah. Right. I was not, on, not underwater dogs. Not underwater dogs, but you're underwater hearing the dogs. Because underwater dogs would be a good name for a band. They should have been on the Bright Lights Big City soundtrack. <laughs> oh, track dogs. three is by the underwater dogs. <laughs> you know, early in the song, you pointed out they are Technicolor children in Piccadilly Square. In the refrain near the end, mm-hmm. it's a Technicolor junkie in a funky square. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Technicolor junkie in a funky square. A little more ominous. My how things have changed. So maybe that's how the song fit into the soundtrack. Yeah. Technicolor junkie. Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that. Things how, uh, how things have changed. Yeah. Like the Technicolor children, happy, excited, interesting, on their way up. The Technicolor junkie yeah. has fewer prospects. Much fewer. Mm-hmm. At four minutes and 35 seconds, Teenage Junkie got his foot on a rock. Teenage Junkie got his foot on a rock. Get off. This is not the first time or the last time that we'll hear Prince use the phrase on a rock. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you listen to Another Lover, Hole in Your Head, at the extended version, at five minutes and 45 seconds, part of the lyrics are, put your foot on the rock. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Anyway, you'll put the real thing in there. And at six minutes and 22 seconds in that song, same line, put your foot on the rock. And in the Thieves in the Temple remix from 1990, six minutes and five seconds, put your foot on the rock, let me show you how to clock in his falsetto voice. rocks in the late 80s and early 90s for our friend Prince. Very cool. And the last thing I wanted to mention about good love. I think good is underrated. Should be great love. It's a great song. (laughs) Uh, Prince's last call out to our friend Gustav Mahler. He calls out Gustav. (laughs) Gustav! And before I knew who Gustav Mahler was or had access to the lyrics or the internet, I thought he was calling out, don't stop. I thought he was saying, oh. don't stop, not Gustav. Uh-huh. Which I also fully supported because I wanted the song to keep going. Mm-hmm. I didn't want it to end. So I thought the the last little hanging note and drum beat of Good Love, which does not fade out, is very similar to the last beat of If I Was Your Girlfriend, if you listen to the Ooh. end of them. They're okay. very similar also. Lots of similarities between the Camille tracks. So I thought, man... I can see why they might not have included this on Sign of the Times Super Deluxe Edition because it's a non-album track, but it had been released already on a soundtrack in 1988, whenever this came out. Yeah. Uh, and and on, also on Crystal Ball. Yeah. So both versions were already available, streaming and on CD, but it does belong in the Sign of the Times universe. Yeah. Then we have Prince singing Baby Go-Go. 
Yay, the cat's Yay. out of the bag. Track uh-huh. two, Baby Track Go two. Go. Uh-huh. Uh, it ended up on Nona Hendrix's album, Female Trouble. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. Yeah, so oh. we kind of we were talking this morning about why some of these songs weren't included on Sign of the Times Super Deluxe. So I could pick a handful of outtakes that I could pull off of that and put some of these on it. Baby Go-Go was one of them, and you and I thought, oh, maybe someday for an Originals 2, uh-huh. Baby Go-Go could see a release, but as of now, Prince's version is unreleased, Yeah, sadly. Mm-hmm. It's credited to Joey Coco. Yeah, uh, yep. oh, for Nona uh-huh. Hendrix's recording. Yes. Yeah. Prince's version was recorded on June 12th, 1986 at Sunset Sound. Mm-hmm. It starts off with this kind of like, Interesting, almost off-key guitar, and it's a little mournful, like it's intentionally off-key. It's just a little mournful right there at the very beginning. Oh, I thought that was like a, like a almost orchestral. Is that what you're talking about? The doo sound? She's looking at me like she has n- absolutely no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> That's like this repeating synth thing throughout the song is like almost this... Reveal sound or kind of, yeah, kind of. I I don't know if we're talking about the same thing or not. I don't know. I'll can't tell from my singing. I'll put a clip of it and it'll be fine. Great, which neither of us can hear right now. No, but um. we could just keep going. Uh, he kind of has an interesting tone in his voice. It's kind of a different cadence than rapping. Yeah. It's kind of speak singing. This feeling is much too strong. You and me, we got to get it on. I agree. There's de- he definitely sings in it, but some of it is leans more towards spoken. Mm-hmm. It's got these very stark drums that I kind of thought were similar to Big Tall Wall version 2, like somewhat haunting. With the scent line that I'm talking about that you Uh can't connect with. But that's what made it kind of haunting to me is that repeating uh-huh. sound. That's funny because uh, the lyric, I lose my cool. Reminded me of the first version of Big Tall Wall. Oh, because the first version is the faster version, it's, right? Yeah, it's yeah. the happier, faster. Right. Version and so that's interesting that it's got a connection to both versions of that song. It does, yeah. Hmm. I'll tell you one thing that the Nona Hendrix version taught me is that the lyrics are "My naked body on the floor is all you really need to know." I always had sung it as "A naked body on the floor." Just a naked body. body. Uh-huh. Like any you naked could body. Just see might be more concerning. Uh, uh, yeah, that's like <laughs> than CSI. Our protagonist. <laughs> that's right. 
<laughs> Zoom in. Enhance. <laughs> Enhance. <laughs> That's what Nona Hendrix's version did to me. It zoomed in. Enhanced. Enha- oh, that's Prince. <laughs> <laughs> He's not that small. <laughs> he was just unrecognizable. <laughs> uh, a minute and seven seconds, his delivery of just the word I, uh-huh. I'm waiting to feel your touch. It's special. It's pretty incredible. Yeah. Very classic Prince. I'm waiting to feel your touch. And again, he reminds you he's not even asking for much. Your body, your mind, your soul. Is that too much? Your body, your mind, and all of you. It's that typical obsessive, possessive, neurotic prince mm-hmm. that we know from this era. And then there's this like chanted lyrics behind him singing. Uh-huh. And it's just, oh, chef kiss. It's perfect. Mwah! With the, uh, in a man's world, I can hold my own because I'm a super deaf specimen, full grown. Go, go. Super deaf or super dense? I've seen it both oh. ways, and I don't know which is right. I but thought it I've was ne- deaf, I... like a super defined, yeah. but like a short way to say defined, deaf. Okay. That's how I heard it. Yeah, I could always make out, in a man's world, I can hold my own. But then the rest of it, whatever he was saying, which is uh-huh. about him being a super defined specimen, full grown, I could not make out until I listened to the Nona Hendrix version. Right. Yeah. Yeah, well, because in this version, it's a little buried. It's very it's kind buried. of on, yeah. in the background, yep. but super, super cool. Just delivered mm-hmm. so neat. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. On the bootleg of this that I had forever, I'm talking like little tiny teenage Josh. Mm-hmm. At two minutes and 26 seconds after he sings, something about you, something about you. Something about you. Right after that, I lived with a bootleg that skipped ahead to about the 4 minute and 20 second mark in this song. And I still hear it that way. It gets to this part, and I'm still surprised that it doesn't skip, that it keeps rolling like seamlessly to other parts of the song that still Uh seem new to me, even though they're not. Yeah. Just because I had listened to the... I don't know, purposefully screwed up bootleg for so long. <laughs> Including this great breakdown with guitar line and drums at three minutes and 25 seconds. So nice to listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this. We mentioned the dog barking and other like whooshy sounds in Good Love. In this song, at 3 minutes and 35 seconds, 3 minutes 38 seconds, and 3 minutes and 40 seconds, there's this rumbling, slowed down thunder sound effect Mm -hmm. that is present earlier in the song. But we've heard it used in different ways in a lot of different songs from this era, including Housequake, and it's in Sheena Easton's 101, which we're going to talk about soon. Not in this episode, sorry. And other songs from this era, too, that little sound effect is is present. So I thought that was, it's a, almost like a, ooh, 1986-87 watermark by oh, Prince. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. All right, shall we talk about 
Nona Hendrix's version yeah. of Baby Go-Go. Yeah. It was the second single from Female Trouble. Oh, yeah. Her uh, album, Female Trouble. Mm-hmm. Nona re-recorded the track and had backing vocals added by Mavis Staples and George Clinton. Correct. Whom Prince had not worked with yet at this point, but, but would, would soon. soon. Uh, Nona's kind of a chameleon like Prince. She's worked with Patti LaBelle, Peter Gabriel, Alice Cooper, and many, many more. She really defies categorization in a lot of ways with the people that she's working with. And Yeah. I mean, she not only worked with Patti LaBelle, she was part of the trio yeah. LaBelle and mm-hmm. sung on the original Lady, Marmala- Lady Marmalade. So yeah, she's definitely got some chops. Mm-hmm. And she talked about there's an article that Christy will share with you oh, on social media. That's right. On Twitter at TMATS, T-M-A-T-S podcast. On Facebook, the Mountains and the Sea of Prince podcast, or you can send me an email, tmatspodcast at gmail.com. Diffuser FM had an interview with Nona Hendricks uh, about when she first met him. And she met him at First Avenue before Prince hit it big, according to her. So I assume that means before Purple Rain. And because she was friends with Mavis Staples, she wanted Mavis Staples to be on Baby Go-Go, which is how Prince really got to know more about Mavis Staples. And uh, she also talked about the last time she saw Prince was um, in Las Vegas at the 3121 shows there, and that that was the last time that she saw him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and that it was a sweet memory. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So another truth, I have never listened to Nona's version of the song before the last couple weeks preparing for this podcast. I had not heard it. Thrilled that it's available on streaming services. You can find it very, very easily. It has more dated drums, I would say, than Prince's version. More like true 1980s drums, but it also has live horns. Yeah, really fleshed it out. Yeah, it was like a, it was more of a party song, and the the horns play the bass line, bringing it more to the forefront of the song, like at 19 seconds, where Prince's version, the bass is there, but it's very subdued. Mm-hmm. Boom, 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 You know, kind of goes with the melody of the song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's really nice guitar in this version, too, really similar to yeah. what was on Prince's version. When you lay eyes on me, you know Yeah, similar but, but different enough for you to say, oh, huh. she re recorded it. it. Yeah. 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 I thought this was a great song to pass on to a female singer too. It's very mm-hmm. empowering without having to make any changes to the lyrics at all. Mm-hmm. He, she doesn't matter. Right. Though I did really like that she brings that man's world lyric in. Yeah, and it's, it's a true bridge in yeah, part of the lyrics. And yeah, it's in. It's still there. It didn't get cut out. It works just as well for a female singer as it does a male singer. Yeah, might maybe even better for yeah. a female to sing in a man's world. I can hold my own. Yeah. I thought it was great. Um, and George Clinton gets the it really doesn't matter line uh-huh. at like four minutes and seventeen seconds and 
It was almost hard for me to recognize because this was well before George yeah. Clinton's voice turned into a I just drank a glass full of rocks mess. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then did Mavis Staples take a chorus? I think she did. Oh, yeah. I think you can hear her yeah. a lot, especially towards the end. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. And there's a lot of, it ends with this fun layered singing. Mm-hmm. Mavis, George, Nona, Nona. Mm-hmm. all of them together. Yeah. Yeah. Nona Hendricks made a video for this, and I watched it just for fun. Yeah. It's super 80s from the clothes to the video effects to how super young George Clinton looks. I bet. Like, like even. 10 years later, he looks 30 years older. Yeah. It's Yeah, I would say the 90s was a rough period for George Clinton. <laughs> he aged uh, like dog years. <laughs> yeah, atomic dog years. Ah. Well, we're just putting a flashlight on his age. <laughs> then we have another song that ended up being recorded and released by somebody Correct. Telepathy. That's right. By Prince. Where it's the first one we're going to talk about. Yeah. Very short. Two minutes and 27 seconds. Mm-hmm. Recorded the same day that he disbanded the revolution mm-hmm. on October 7th, 1986. We've talked briefly about this song before. We did? Oh, yes, we did. Uh, it was tried out for Maite's album. Correct. Mm-hmm. And Chambers gave us this one as one of the five songs that Prince had written for other people oh. when we did the one second challenge and oh, we had okay. a group of five songs that was Chambers Challenge. That's right. This was one of them. I think I got this one wrong, too. You did. Yeah. I'm sorry. You're talking about friend of the podcast, Chambers Stevens. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I had not, I mean, I've had this song for a long time. Never really listened to it, you know, much. Mm-hmm. Had listened to it before, but there was something about the the way the drums are, the beginning, that again, sound, it's one of the most dated Prince songs that I could think of, really. Okay. Like, I listened to Purple Rain, and it might just be because, like the album Purple Rain, and it might just be because I've listened to it forever, but it doesn't sound particularly super dated to me it sounds a little timeless but i hear telepathy and the effects on the drums and what did our son say this morning it came on and he's like oh i thought that was never gonna give you up by rick astley for Uh, a minute (laughs) he's like am i getting rick rolled (laughs) (laughs) nope you're getting pod rolled (laughs) so it's prince on all vocals and instruments uh with eric leeds on the saxophone Kind of cool lyrics, though. You start listening to it, and um, I think interestingly written and, of course, interestingly delivered by Prince. Mm -hmm. And I think very much Prince-like with the it's all your issues, not mine kind (laughs) Uh, of approach. uh, Yep. You know, I know you're kind like the back of my hand. You're just a hungry wolf in the Valley of Lambs. I thought that one was 
such nice songwriting because it was not only kind of poetic, mm-hmm. but possibly a pop culture reference. Okay. Hungry like the wolf. Okay. But also a biblical reference with mm-hmm. lambs. Like, that's kind of brilliant to like kind of pull those things together. Yeah. Make a biblical and a pop culture reference in a single line. Yeah. Nice. Could have been luck too. I mean, a wolf and lamb. <laughs> yeah, you know, well, that kind yes, of goes together too. But um, maybe you can't ignore the fact that "Hungry Like the Wolf" is one of the '80s songs that was huge and yeah. has remained known. Yeah, that's true. Especially the delivery of the heat in this room speaks loud enough. It's kind of like a a side before mm-hmm. the chorus starts, which I think is a lot of fun. <laughs> And even the way the chorus is written, when you start to think about it, telepathy, hey, baby, you don't have to tell me what's on your mind. He never says, I have telepathy, or I engage in the act of telepathy. He just kind of says the word, and it's out there, and that's what I do. Which I thought is a very princely kind of thing well, to do. And it's kind of what he wanted from his lovers. Yeah. Read my mind. Yes. Know what I need. Yes. I'm not going to tell you. You need to figure it out. But then goes on to say, you don't know what I'm about. You don't know what I'm about. <laughs> and then he got, he's got kind of a friends line pre-friends. Oh. Now you know... I know what's on your mind. <laughs> they don't know we know they know. <laughs> you know. I know. Is yeah. that telepathy or is that human nature? Somebody's uh, behaving poorly, I think. Right. Yeah. Um, so relatively short. I think that the unreleased version we have fades out yeah. uh, early. It sounds like there's yeah. should there's be more. more going on mm-hmm. there, but it fades out at the two minute and 20 second mark or so. Yeah. Deborah Allen right. recorded this song and it ended up being the title track of her 1987 album. Right. Yeah. It was the only single. Apparently she was in the building when Prince recorded his version. And that's how the encounter happened. That's not uh, how she related. Really? She did an interview, which I'll post on our social media. All right. So there's the line, I like the way you walk. Yeah. So you like the way I walk. So you like my disposition. Seems like a natural progression. She was recording at Sunset Sound at the same time as Prince. Uh And he had a restroom connected to his recording studio. She, being not as famous and Mm -hmm. not as big, had to walk across the indoor basketball court, which I cannot find pictures of, and I really tried, of the the indoor basketball court at Sunset Sound. Okay. But she had to walk across the basketball court to go to the restroom. Okay. And so she did, and she saw Prince playing. Okay. And so when she was walking back, he was kind of off to the side. Somebody else was shooting, or he was shooting. 
And she thought, oh, yeah, that was a good one. She stood and watched him for a few minutes. And then he came and talked to her. And they complimented one another's outfits. And then she walked away. Yeah. So it's interesting that the walk would be mentioned. Very cool. Yes. Then she contacted him a few weeks later. Hmm. She had gone back to Nashville and the recorder, her record company was telling her she needed something special. She said she was praying about it. And suddenly she thought, well, you met Prince. Mm-hmm. What can it hurt to ask? So she sent a message to him. I don't know how. A letter, I think, that she sent to him to his publicist. Okay. And they passed it on to him. And just a few days later, she got an overnighted package with the song. He'd written it for her. Oh. Mm-hmm. All right. Or maybe had it in the can. And- well... I mean, decided to give it to her. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I did not find she that. She is under the impression that he wrote it for her. I think she's probably wrong. <laughs> I can't think of many songs that he specifically sat down and wrote for someone else. I can think no. of a ton of songs that he wrote and recorded and offered to other people. Yes. So I don't mean to bring Deborah Allen <laughs> down. <laughs> Whatever she needs to think. Whatever she, whatever makes her happiest is the story she can tell herself. Sure. A little country twang. Yeah, a little she's bit. A country artist, so yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, a little bit. It's basically the same music mm-hmm. with some additional saxophone added. And I mm-hmm. could not find if it was more Eric Leeds mm. or if someone else added the extra saxophone in her version. Oh, I assumed it was Eric Leeds, but... I didn't think to even look it up. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, the additional lyrics towards the end here, (laughs) two minutes and 31 seconds. Uh So you like the way I kiss. You say you like the way my body feels next to yours. You know, it's awfully hard to resist, baby. This kind of friction could start a war. So you like the way I kiss. You say you like the way my body feels next to yours. And then into I know you're kind, like the back of my hand, etc., etc. And then there's really fun ones at the end. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sim, sim, salabim. The spirits are about to speak. Some boys I know just open their mouths just to swap feet. And that's something <laughs> Prince sang, and that's why I think that his those are his lyrics. I think so, too. Yeah. Yeah, those lyrics, I think, are Prince's because he sings those same lines mm-hmm. in In a Large Room with No Light, which was also on Sign of the Times Super Deluxe Edition. Mm-hmm. Another reason why telepathy could have been included if there had been more yeah. of it, the rest of it, that how fun would that have been? I think it would have been nice to include it. Um, like you and I said, though, it could have be maybe this was held back for another edition of originals, possibly at mm-hmm. some point, since it was released officially. Right. I don't know. I think overall for me, and maybe it's just because of the country 
This isn't a country song. No, but she's got a country oh, yeah. voice. Yeah. So it kind of, it's a, almost a mismatch. Yeah, it, it does very little for me. Um, and it doesn't seem like she has the same fairly neurotic personality as Prince <laughs> to be able to pull off singing, I know everything about you by looking into your eyes. Uh-huh. Uh, or at the back of her own hand. Uh-huh. Mentality. Uh, I don't know. She doesn't carry that kind of mystique to mm-hmm. me, you know. Prince was mysterious enough for you to believe that that kind of thing could be true. <laughs> yeah. There's a reason Deborah Allen had to walk across a basketball court to pee. Yes, exactly. Am I wrong in feeling like this would have worked on, I forget what we were watching. Oh, it was last week tonight with John Oliver, wasn't it, where he talked about cop rock from... 1990? <laughs> I feel like this could have been a song from Cop Rock. <laughs> the way that she sings it and delivers it. Like, should I, is this meant to be a little comedic? Is it meant to be serious and maybe just isn't working too well? Yeah. Cop Rock, if you're unfamiliar, is a <laughs> very, very short lived show from, I believe, somewhere around 1990. Yes, exactly. Uh, where uh, the cops break into song about the weirdest stuff it's a procedural musical yeah not just the cops but the perps too Uh uh-huh yeah everybody's yeah singing Mm -hmm. um not great and the songs are terrible correct but no not that telepathy is terrible but no that's just the way (laughs) it was delivered (laughs) just the deborah allen version yeah sorry (laughs) would have fit right into that uh somewhat suspect Television show? Yeah. 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 <laughs> then we have The Sex of It. Oh boy. Prince's version. It ended up on a Kid Creole and the Coconuts album. Yep. Which we're going to talk about that shortly. But recorded um, July 29th, 1987 at Paisley Park. So mm-hmm. this was very soon after the studio was finished and was open for recordings. Mm-hmm. Um it was recorded the day before a lot of Madhouse tracks were recorded there, including okay. 11, 15, 10, uh, and then some other songs that would end up on Eric Leeds' first solo album, Times Squared. Did you see it was also possibly considered for the Times Abandoned Corporate World album? Yes, I did. That got shelved yeah. for whatever reason. Not even known if an actual recording with Morris's vocals exists. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that you mentioned that it was recorded right before some Madhouse tracks because I thought the horns had a real Madhouse oh, vibe. Yeah, yeah definitely so. in the middle of that era. Mm-hmm. And even with Prince having horns at his disposal for the recording of the song, he still, at 19 seconds, sings over the horn lines with his own vocal horns. The <laughs> so there's these horns going, and he's singing another <laughs> horn part over them. Uh-huh. great mm-hmm. super fun there's a really interesting tone in his voice uh-huh. in this song it's a little higher than his speaking voice but it's yeah. closer to his speaking voice and it's almost like he's trying very hard not to sing okay is kind of how it sounds like he's singing but he's kind of trying not to the thrills of it the chills of it the spills of it you just want me for the sex 
I wondered how you were going to describe this, especially when you noted the same kind of thing in Baby Go-Go. There was this intonation in his voice uh-huh. that's different. Yes. Where he's clearly trying some different things. And I don't know how to describe his approach to singing this either. He seems, I thought, almost sorry to even deliver the lines, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) And then it gets a little more bitter as the song progresses. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, Also kind of speak singing here, too. Yeah. Um, He's trying very, very hard to impress the unimpressible Mm-hmm. Diamond ring, that's not thrilling enough. Nope. Expensive cologne, that just aggravates the allergies. Yeah. I gave you a diamond ring, my friend. That didn't get you off. French cologne, a hundred bucks an ounce. All you did was cough. You say you want some. That's right. It's like, <laughs> not impressible. But also the controlling nature, you know? Yeah. At a minute and 30 seconds, don't open that window. I told you not to open that window. Don't open that window. I told you not to open that window. <laughs> Just these odd aside statements. Mm-hmm. Well, it's so funny. They want a simple relationship, but the lyric is, you don't like love complex. You say you want simplicity. You don't like love complex. Yeah. Which is a complex lyric to try and say you want a simple relationship. Oh. You don't want a love complex. I'm like, <laughs> oh no, I didn't think it was about psychological complex. Uh-huh. No, was... no, I didn't either. Like you don't, you want a simple relationship. Uh huh. You don't want it complex. You don't want it complex. But, but the way the complex, the way that's worded is i see yeah i never heard it that way before with uh the other meaning of don't get a complex Mm -hmm. yeah but then he uh has sort of a devilish feeling about this relationship oh yes because it's a spooky feeling but i got a spooky feeling you just want me for the sex the thrills of it yeah, that's that right. he has, which yeah. I'm like, that's got to be a reference to Spooky Electric, right? Oh, yeah. It's got to be like be. a sure. sort of feeling there's something wrong here. This is sinful. Mm-hmm. And that's part of what makes it exciting. Right. But I just thought the use of the word spooky was interesting and telling and maybe a... Fortuitous. Yes, or mm-hmm. uh, foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for of things the that we'd hear. Love sexy era uh-huh. that would come soon. Yeah, love sexy black album. Mm-hmm. Spooky was well known to be. Yeah, amuse. Uh huh. And the devil. Yeah, you know he starts getting more. I don't know. Complex as he rolls along in a minute and fifty seconds, he's almost crying as he rolls into saying, I want to make you understand that's all I want to do. Damn my life. I'd rather spend it all with you. I couldn't love you anymore. I guess I hate you next. Uh Confess you, bitch. Uh I'm thinking, is there another set of lyrics that defines Prince's internal conflict over love and devotion and sex than this? I love you. I hate you. Uh I want to give up everything for you. I just want to make you understand it's all about making you do things. Uh-huh. You know, not, I'm already not meeting perfect. you in the middle. No, you need <laughs> to come to me. Uh-huh. Or my state of mentality. Uh-huh. 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 U
seems like that idea of I love you so much that I have to hate you yeah is you know something that he's starting to pick up on here and kind of maybe brings totally to fruition on the gold experience with I hate you yep it's a and that's very, why he had to mention Gustav Mahler again. Uh, yeah <laughs> exactly yeah yeah I thought it was also very typical of Prince during this era to bury his own guitar you know when he says uh, two minutes and 40 seconds, get away from that cage. Mm-hmm. And there's a guitar solo that fades kind of in and out. It almost maybe sounds like it should go from left to right, but it goes to the forefront and to the background, almost disappears. Get away from... Oh, and uh, Sign of the Times era is not known for... Prince guitar solos. Yeah. So yeah, I found that kind of telling also. Mm-hmm. But what a fun, quirky, weird outtake. It mm-hmm. all just makes it perfect. Yeah. Well, and Prince must have really enjoyed this. Oh, yes. Because he enjoyed it enough to teach it to his band. And we're going to talk a little bit about a portion of a rehearsal. Oh, yeah. There's a circulating recording of sign of the times rehearsals where he takes the band through baby go-go and also the sex of it kind of teaches it to them and the horn section is learning it which is basically eric leeds in atlanta bliss and uh i mean it goes on for ever i found just the sex of it uh like portion? on soundcloud Did you? yeah it's like 45 yeah. minutes long yeah. for just that portion of it and we're talking about like two and a half minutes of that not even that much. I just remembered I hadn't listened to that in a long time, but yeah, this you picked one, your favorite part. This one part of it uh, stuck out to me because they start and stop the song uh-huh. a dozen or more times, and in this particular take of it, there's kind of what there's this beginning which Prince called this classical beginning. Um, yeah, it reminded which, me of a Renaissance festival. Exactly. It was more like a fantasy keyboard line than uh-huh. a classical. But this, that kind of, uh, yeah, uh, Renaissance horn part plays. And my favorite part about this that I just wanted to include in the podcast is when he counts it off. And the way he counts it off isn't one, two, you know, uh-huh. he typically wouldn't say three, four anyway. Right. And instead it's one, two, buckle my shoe. Uh-huh. And I love it. It's That's, so fun. It's, it's so like, quirky and it's... just fit into everything about this era and everything about Sign of the Times to me that um, I'm like, we've got to at least get a clip of that in here. One, two, buckle my shoe. Yeah. Well, that he would pull out a nursery rhyme for yes. that and... Yeah. How fun it is. Yeah. There's lots of cute things about that clip that you gave me. It's got some charming laughs. And he says, y'all do that sideways? Y'all do that sideways? Yeah, I think that they're probably like 
dancing or uh-huh. you know, swaying to the song and yeah. or the maybe Eric Leeds and Atlanta Bliss are doing that and yeah. he's giving them directions on, you know, what they could do and ask them to do something else during the verse and then go back to that during the chorus. Mm-hmm. Of course we can't see what's happening, so right. we'll never know. But it's fun yeah. to listen to. Oh yeah. Just excellent. Then we have The Sex of It by Kid Creole and the Coconuts. Yes, the official release mm-hmm. that was on their eighth album, Private Waters. And eighth the Great album? Divide. Yeah, I've that. never heard of Kid Creole and the Coconuts. Really? Never. I heard of Kid Creole. I didn't know that it was Kid Creole and the Coconuts. Fun. Yeah. Name, right? It's unclear when August Darnell, a.k.a. Kid Creole, mm-hmm. uh, recorded the vocals um, but the record company that was releasing it did delay the album so that it could be included because Prince and August met when Prince was touring Love Sexy in Europe, promised him the song, and right. they waited for it. Right. I mm-hmm. thought that was really cool. Yeah. Uh, and it was kind of re-recorded also. Like the drums are different, but the... Um, the horns sound the same. Horns are the same. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the background stuff is the same. Um, we mentioned earlier that it was considered for The Time and Morris Day. And I've got to be honest, I had not listened to this Kid Creole version of the song ever before He's, either. Sounds just like Morris Day. I was Day. like, this is... I thought that it was at one point. I'm like, holy mackerel, this is Morris Day <laughs> in the late 80s. Uh-huh. You say you want simplicity. You don't like love complex. I got a spooky feeling. You just want me for the sex. The thrills of it... I think that the drums are super cool and and uh, the re-recorded bass kind of make Prince's outtakes seem more reserved. Okay. This one's even more upbeat and fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he sounds... The delivery is much less deadpan, too. Uh-huh. Like, it's much more intentionally... Uh-huh. I don't know. Kind of self-deprecating y- humor. Yes. Right? Uh-huh. There's a cough that's very on-brand Prince. Yeah. Um, in a minute and 11 seconds, there's a fun sound effect or a vocal effect after he sings, I gave you diamond ring, my friend, that didn't get you off. Uh-huh. And it's this kind of weird thing that just stuck out to me when I was listening to this a number of times. I gave you a diamond ring, my friend, but that didn't get you off. And some other ad libs that uh, were thrown in there, like, uh, excuse me, darling, but do you think you could put some clothes on? <laughs> yeah. uh, excuse me, darling, but uh, do you think you could uh, put some clothes on? Thank you. He answered that a couple of times. Uh, yes. <laughs> cover your outer extremities. <laughs> I do expect some people to come over to the house. <laughs> But uh, do you think it's possible that you could cover your other extremities? Because I am expecting some people uh, to come over to the house. I love his hollering delivery uh-huh. of, I guess I'll hate you next. Yeah. 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 I couldn't love you more. I guess I'll hate you next. Yes. It was so all, fun. this whole thing was really well done. Yeah. I thought I was really impressed a yeah. lot. And he uses witch instead yes, of bitch. Correct. I just thought a lot of fun, silly fun from start to finish. Yeah. With I this agree. track. It was great. Then we have 
a different version of the Cocoa Boys or an edited version or an unedited version of the Cocoa Boys. I would say an unfinished version okay. of the Cocoa Boys right. is how I would name it because it's got no horns. Right. It's got Cocoa spelled incorrectly Uh huh. Um, for a long time until Sign of the Times Super Deluxe Edition came out. Everyone assumed it was C-O-C-O for Cocoa Boys. Right, like Joey Coco. Yeah, now mm-hmm. we know it's... Uh, like the Chocolate Boys. Yep. He Prince recorded it alone in September 1986 at his home studio. Mm-hmm. We covered this, obviously, because it was on Sign of the Times Super Deluxe Edition. Right. But all the overdubs, including a lot of background vocals, horns, and looped audience recordings, aren't in this version. Mm-hmm. And it had long been circulating, and I don't think anyone really knew that it had been worked on further. So when this fleshed out version on Sign of the Times Deluxe appeared, it made me think, oh, we've been listening to this for so long as hardcore fans or collectors, whatever you want to call us, that it at least deserves a mention uh-huh. on our show. Yeah. So that's why we're covering it here. Yeah. There's that synth intro. That we covered last episode that's used on 8 from Madhouse 8, and it's used in You Got the Look and a whole bunch of other songs that we listed. And in the released version, that synth runs under most of the song along with crowd noise, and it does not do that on this version. Mm-hmm. Hey, the band that was battling with the Cocoa Boys has a name. So in the version that was on Sign of the Time Super Deluxe, We didn't ever really learn the name of the band that was battling. But in this version, we learned that it's the band's name is Sandra D. Who was an actress who had her heyday in the late 50s and mid 60s. So it makes sense that I didn't even catch that edit. You're totally right. Yeah. Didn't even catch it. Yep. And they all have blonde hair, just like Sandra D did. Uh-huh. Natural or otherwise. Uh-huh. Prince has his own horn section, too. Oh, it's uh, delightful. Yeah, it's like at a minute and 43 seconds when he sings in the distance, the horns blared, and he, we get the... Bit, 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 bit. In the distance, the horns blared. Uh-huh. It was like he was laying the groundwork for what he was going to instruct Eric Leeds to do, or uh-huh. what he thought ought to be played uh-huh. in the studio. Yes, it was just delightful. He doesn't even argue with himself over the three section two section horns uh-huh. at a minute and 58 seconds on the released version you know he says it was two man yeah yeah it was two somebody and, tells him yeah, yeah. uh and he, it was he corrects himself here right. yeah yeah single light called a three man was a two yeah two man on section walking through the front door yeah he keeps that Horning going. He does for a while. Yeah. It's yeah. super fun. In the released version, when he sings about, we hit the wooden leg at four minutes and two seconds, there's a 
a horn part in the release version that's not in this version. And uh-huh. it also, on the release version, has more Prince falsettos. When he says wooden leg, there's falsettos. Of him singing wooden leg behind mm-hmm. himself in the release version that's not here. So it just shows... I don't know how much attention to detail he paid to things like this and came back to work on super subtle, like who in the heck would have known if he had recorded these little falsetto parts behind these tiny parts. But that's the way he wanted it to sound. Yeah, so that's yeah, what he, he did. He just kept working on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we learn uh, that you kind of get the impression that the secondary band maybe wins out over the Coco Boys in the Sign of the Times Super Deluxe version. Okay. But this version, they don't win because they said that Sandra D looked too freaky. But they said we looked too freaky and the Coco Boys won. But that's all right. It was still a blast. That's right. Sandra D, the band, looked too freaky. I'm guessing a bunch of african-american with kids hair. with blonde hair yeah and they all they it was not done well they did right. it from a box from the grocery store yeah but that's all right because they had fun mm. oh but the next day at school which i didn't realize they all went to school they seemed like 20s people but no they no, all still went to high, high school. school yeah yeah uh he kicked frankie's ass and i was like oh oy, that's no great no, no great. That's not so good. Uh-huh. Next day at school, I kicked Frankie's ass. I thought it was not so good because I can't picture Prince beating anyone up in <laughs> high school. That's what makes this fiction. Right. But then he felt bad about it. But that was no good because then I felt bad because fight was the ultimate sin. So the moral of the story is, always do your best. One day, you'll win. And the ultimate also, sin. Also fiction. Yes. <laughs> fiction that he felt bad about it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't have the, uh, on the outro of this version too, it omits the addition of, you are the new kings of the world, which uh-huh. was used in positivity, and the chant of, we are beautiful, it's going to be a beautiful night. From It's Gonna Be a Beautiful Night, um, uh-huh. not in this early version also, right. so those were added later. I just found this outtake to be a great study in what Prince meant um, by the fact that many unreleased tracks that are in circulation aren't even finished yet. They're not his um, you know, full realization of what he wanted the songs to be. Mm-hmm. And after listening to these two... I can see what he's talking about completely, yeah. even though I think to myself, eh, too bad. <laughs> well, somehow we found it. We got it. We did. But I feel like it's kind of valuable to hear both versions of it, too. It is. To hear, okay, so this version was great and super fun. And yes, there were, he did his own horns by mm-hmm. singing it. Right. So, okay, yes, it's not finished. But to hear, those little things 
like the little falsetto bits that he put behind stuff and the lyrics he decided to omit and mm-hmm. you know all of that is kind of a study in you know crafting your best work no matter what that is whether it's editing it or adding more to it it's it's an interesting way to see okay here he was a genius anybody else recorded the original version of Coco Boys oh, yeah, and they walk away they're done yeah and to keep working on it. And then it didn't even find a home anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Never was on an album. Just, I mean, hours and hours and hours of toiling over this to just have it sit, go into a dark hole somewhere. Yeah. But that's kind of what it means to be a really good artist. A lot of the time too, is you end up doing things that don't ever see the light of day. Yeah. You do things just because you have a passion for them. Yeah, it's what he did. It mm-hmm. didn't matter if it was because actually I don't think he knew when he recorded something. Is this an album or an album track or not? Mm-hmm. I don't know, but it's in my head, so I've got to get it on tape. Uh-huh. Get it out so the next thing can come in. Right. Make yep. some room. Mm-hmm. And then we have the final song that we're going to talk about today. Final song. And this one's a little bit of a cheat because <laughs> it is on uh, Crystal Ball, the version that was was released in the 90s. But... Uh, firmly a track from this era, which is Last Heart, um, which was recorded in January 1986 at the end of the parade sessions, which is pretty amazing to me. Um, In the released version of Crystal Ball, the liner notes state that Prince always had intended to re-record it, but never got around to it. So, I mean, that, that booklet is full of... I don't know. Errors and omissions. Sure, like truths and made-up realities that nobody (laughs) could argue with. So who knows if that's true or not. But it was included as the 15th track on the July 18th configuration, 1986, of uh, Dream Factory, which I thought was interesting. It was the first song on side four. So who knows if it was meant to be re-recorded for that and just never happened. Eric Leeds is on saxophone. Mm-hmm. Uh, Susanna again on backing vocals. Yes. Mm-hmm. Boy, I wouldn't re-record this. No, it's so great. If it were me. And Eric Leeds did an interview with the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette and reminisced about this time period. Oh, okay. And he said working at Sunset Sound in Los Angeles with Prince for weeks on end was amazing because Prince would float from instrument to instrument and it was incredible to watch. It's a really nice piece. Cool. I think the other thing to mention first off is that this track is somewhat ruined by poor tracking. It has some of the NPG operator at the very beginning, which Uh, is an overflow from Days of Wild, which mm -hmm. it follows on disc two of Crystal Ball, where the NPG operator says, welcome to the dawn. You've just accessed... And it's the end of the word access that's tracked in the last heart. That's kind of Uh, jarring. You can hear it at the beginning. So someday I'm going to go in and fix that. mm -hmm. It bothers me a lot. (laughs) So I would also implore you to play this demo with headphones on. It doesn't even have to be good headphones. And listen to the bass playing at the beginning of the song. It is so amazing and somehow so easy to... Overlook or underhear, as we coined the mm-hmm. phrase many episodes ago. Oh, baby. Oh, oh. Oh, oh. I don't know, it 
it's just, it's there. But then when you focus on it and tell yourself, I'm just going to listen to the bass and kind of try to isolate that part of this track. Cause you don't think of it as this bass heavy track and it's not, but it's got this kind of growling thin bass line throughout okay. it all. That is once you hear it, your eyes are going to open and you're going to be like, wow, I had Holy no moment. idea that that was even there, but of course it is. I've been hearing it forever. I'll never, I'll never hear it differently again, mm-hmm. but very jazzy, very bluesy kind of song. Mm-hmm. I first had this on cassette as a bootleg that was incorrectly titled. If you break my heart one more time, uh-huh. it was not known that it was called last heart. Mm-hmm. Yep. How many times have you called my number wishing I was someone else? How many times have you called my number? Wishing I was someone else. That's kind of stupid. It's it's stupid. I think it's heartbreaking. I'm trying to figure out how it's not just... It's a dumb thing to do if you're calling Prince over and over again and being like, I just wish this was over. I want to get rid of him. Oh, that's not how I heard it i heard it as they can't call the person they really want to call so they're calling the protagonist instead oh i thought it was like i'm done with this guy i'm gonna break his heart but i don't have the heart to do it over the phone this time so i'm gonna call him anyway oh no that's not how i took it i took it as they really want to be with somebody else Mm. but they can't be with that person they wish it they could call the person they really want to talk to but they cannot, so they're calling this person instead. Okay. Yeah. I thought it was interesting that he used the word perfume. How man's many ta- perfume. Yeah. yeah. How many times have I kissed you and smelled another man's perfume? How many times have I kissed you? Smelled another man's perfume. Yeah. We usually refer to women's senses perfume perfume Correct. and men's sense as cologne and so even though we've seen profiles and pronoun courage from prince many times before right it made me wonder if maybe he was sort of thinking about this possibly as being a song for a woman oh maybe i can't think of an example right now but i know that he's done that on other songs too where he called a man's scent perfume uh-huh I'll have to find it. You can put it on social media. Okay. At a minute and 48 seconds, there's a great breakdown before the sax solo when he sings, baby, I've taken all I can take. Baby, my heart wasn't made to break. It's very fun to listen mm-hmm. to. Yeah. That's how you ever break. Baby, I've taken all I can take. Baby, my heart wasn't made to break. There's some really um, warm, simple guitar chords, and they're coupled with that bass guitar that you mentioned, uh-huh. and then some plucky strings on top of that. Yeah. How many lonely nights I missed you? It was just so pretty. I mean, just masterful way don't call that you this layered a demo. it. It's not a demo. No, it's not a demo. This is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, even his falsetto call out at two minutes and 11 seconds when he just sings, don't do it. Don't do it. Is bliss. Total bliss. Mm-hmm. It, it, the chorus mm-hmm. is a little interesting. 
I maybe don't understand it completely. Baby, if you break my heart one more time, it'll be the last heart you ever break. Baby, if you break my heart one more time, like a threat i believe it is <laughs> it's very like threatening like if you break my heart again i'm gonna murder you you're not gonna have the opportunity to break mine or anyone else's heart yeah. ever again yeah because on the surface i almost wanted to say this is a very what's the word i'm looking for it's a very laid back kind of prince song about breakups typically he's a lot more blamey and finger pointy okay and there's an element of that here but it's not completely about that it's more about him having had enough yeah you know uh for repeated offenses yeah not so much i'm gonna make you i'm gonna mold you into what i want you to be and Uh make you mine it's i've had enough you've done me wrong Uh uh-huh and Yes, I can see how uh, it'll be the last heart you ever break. It sounds like a threat, but it's also kind of like, well, do that again. It'll be the last time you do that. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, like you'll learn your lesson. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's fine. And then there's this kind of in the round treatment on the third verse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's uh, the don't lie to me verse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> False words should never be, never be spoken. And it's kind of interesting that there's this like tolerance of poor behavior. Oh, yeah. I don't think that Prince would tolerate the poor behavior quite so much, which makes me also kind of think that maybe this wasn't something he intended for himself. I don't know. It was on the track list of his own album. Well. So, yeah, maybe. but it didn't end up getting released. No. So, but it was, it's kind of uh, complex and confusing the way it is. It kind of feels like borderline abusive behavior. On Prince's part? No. On, on the, the part of what's been bestowed upon him. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, and it's kind of... It feels very 80s that you would put up with that kind of behavior, but also kind of feels earlier than that. Hmm. Like, I I never think of behavior as sorted by decade. Well, I mean, there's some behavior that in some decades is more acceptable than others. Yeah. And so it kind of feels like this is coming at the in the 80s where, mm, okay, so we overlook some of these misogynistic poor behavior by people, but it's being sung by a man. True. Yeah. I could see that being true of how women might tolerate things in a relationship that they would be more empowered to walk away from today Uh more, but because it's the other way around, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's just kind of interesting. It's Mm -hmm. like patriarchy flipped on its head a little bit. Yeah. It's complex and confusing, but interesting. Good point. Yeah. And that's all we're going to talk about today. That's the end? That's it. Who decided that? Well, that was all you, honey. Okay. Yeah. So now that we've talked about all of the things that we are going to talk about this episode, we choose three things. Each host chooses a time capsule, a C, the low point, 
and a mountain, the high point. So these are my rules. So I go first. So for me, the time capsule, mm-hmm. um, it has to be good love, the way the synthesizers are, and, okay. uh, the Camille era is prevalent around this time. So for me, that was it. Well, mine is the same. Oh, okay. But for a different reason. I held on to the story for this okay. very moment. Okay. So my family was driving through Atlanta, visiting family in 1988. We had moved to Indiana from Georgia. There's a lot of family in Atlanta. And we just happened to be driving there, and the local Top 40 station that we listened to when we lived outside of Atlanta, uh, we had it on just for the sake of nostalgia. Or let's listen to, I think it was Z93. And they had swapped DJs with the local country station for the morning drive, like as a stunt. Uh-huh. Uh, so there were a couple of country boys... And they announce that they're going to play a new Prince song. So I'm like, oh, turn it up, turn it up, turn it up. And they say, well, but judging by the cover of this album, he ought to be named Queen. Oh. Which, talk about behavior we tolerate in the 80s and maybe not today. Probably uh-huh. got fired. So obviously they were looking at the Love Sexy cover in 1988, right? Uh-huh. Though this track wasn't on that record. I expected Alphabet Street. To be played or another song from Love Sexy. Right. And they played Good Love, which I had huh. never heard before. And those dummies never even said where you could find the song or what album it was on, let alone huh. that it was on a soundtrack that was unrelated. So there was no internet, there were no smartphones, and I don't know that you can comprehend my angst because I had <laughs> never heard that song again until I got a bootleg of Camille oh. in like 1989 or 1990, something like that. It was like a two-year gap between when I heard the song on the radio and then finally got it and still didn't even realize that it was from Bright Light's Big City soundtrack or I probably would have gone out and bought that too. <laughs> I forgot to mention too when we were talking about Good Love that there's a thread about it on Prince.org where someone proposed that it was one of the most underappreciated Prince songs of all time. And someone commented... I love this so much that I even went out and bought Gustav Mahler number two, but it was boring. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was great. Well, maybe that's because it was Gustav Mahler number three. I know. It was just (laughs) funny. It was boring. He expected it to be sexier than it was. Yeah, well, it was one number higher in the order, so it should have been better (laughs) than the Gustav Mahler top ten. (laughs) I don't think that's how it works. That's why it's funny. <laughs> oh, all right. The C, the low point. S-E-A-C. Mm-hmm. I had to choose the only song that I was really tempted to skip, which was Deborah Allen's version of Telepathy, which you're nodding your head. Yes. Uh, my notes for the C are six words. Deborah Allen singing a print song. Uh, okay. We'll leave it at that. And then The Mountain. Man, you picked a really good selection of songs and made it really difficult to choose a high point. Yep. I did so, it on purpose. I I know. So I have to mention my runner-up, which is the vocalized horn parts in The Coco Boys. Oh, fun. It's so charming and delightful. Yeah. And it was really difficult, but I had to pick the song that I was least likely to skip the one that would come on and I'd be like, ooh. Yeah. And it was Prince's version of Baby Go-Go. 
Have we ever agreed on all three of these? <gasps> what? I think no. we are. I don't think we have, but no, we, we do haven't. this time. Wow. Prince's version of Baby Go-Go is mine also, although Good Love was a contender also for uh-huh. me. And I also have to give credit to Kid Creole and the Coconuts, their version of The Sex of It, uh-huh. and even Nona Gay's version of Baby Go-Go. I really like them both, um, uh-huh. but Prince on a stripped-down song like Baby Go-Go uh, is just unbeatable. There's, it's really, just... there's really no contest. You can't, you can't vote against it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that's all we have for today. Next time? Next time, we're switching gears back to Madhouse for Madhouse 16, plus some remixes and B-sides as we continue our quest to cover material that could have been on Sign of the Time Super Deluxe Edition, but was painfully ignored <laughs> on the official release. Excellent. Thank you so much for listening. Do tell a friend. It's way more fun when you can listen with a friend, when you can talk about uh, things that you hadn't heard before or things that we missed. You know, you can tell us, but it's fun to talk about it with a friend and do rate and review wherever you find your podcast that does help us get found. We'd like to be found so that more people can have the fun and joy of listening to our Purple Muse. And until next time, happy Purple Listening, friends. Thanks for listening.